Hello and welcome to the Our Dad Stamps podcast. My name is Pete West and I've spent half a lifetime collecting stamps and more than 10 years buying and selling them. In these podcasts I want to share some personal stories, tips and tricks that I've learned along the way and maybe encourage a few non-philatelists to take up this fascinating and absorbing hobby. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to another Our Dad Stamps podcast. My name's Pete. And I'm Sheila. And today we're going to continue our talk on the equipment that you need to collect stamps. And we start off the story this week with early history of stamps in actual fact. By the 1860s, stamp collecting had become a popular pastime. And it was particularly popular in France. But it was two men in France that really made stamp collecting into a science. Somebody called Moen and another guy called Jacques Legrand. And it's Jacques Legrand that we owe a debt to for these next two items that you need to have in your armoury for collecting stamps. The first one is a perforation guide. The perforations are the little holes that are on the side of the stamps that are used to separate stamps from each other. And he came up with a device to measure the perforations because he realised that different issues of stamps were, were done with different size perforations. And this was a way of identifying which issue it came from. And the perforation guide, it actually measures the number of holes in a two centimetre length of stamp. So it doesn't matter how big the stamp is. If you had two centimetres of that stamp, it's how many holes there would be in that, that length. That is now used worldwide as a measure of perforation. So when you see a perforation of 14, that means there's 14 holes in every two centimetres of that stamp, or 16 or whatever. So you need to get a perforation guide to identify different issues, but also some some rarities as well. There are occasions where one or two sheets of stamps have been put through the wrong perforation machine. So they are different from the rest of the, the issue. And that obviously makes them more valuable. And a perforation guide costs you pennies. It's, it's a few pounds at most. So when you say a perforation guide, is it a book that tells you the number of perforations on the stamp? Or is it a little gizmo gadget? It, it's a gizmo gadget. Well, there are different types, but the, the most popular ones, it's clear perspex with, with lots of lines on them. And the lines match up with the number of perforations. So you have to line up each line with the point part of the perforation and get them to, to line up exactly. So there's one that shows 11 perforations per two centimetres. There's one that shows... 11 and a half, 12, 12 and a half, 13, and it goes up gradually. So you basically slide this clear plastic gizmo up and down the stamp till it lines up exactly with the number of perforations you've got. I think we need to put a photograph of that on Instagram because I imagine a perforation guide was going to be, for example, a little bit of plastic with holes of varying degrees and you put that over the hole in mm. your stamp and it will tell you what number... Yeah, a bit it's like a, a size game. It's similar, but it's lines rather than holes, because with the number of holes you got, it would 
the whole purpose of perforation is that the perforation is that it tears apart. And if you had that on a gizmo, then the gizmo would eventually tear apart. So it's done with lines. As I said, they are very cheap. They are easy to use once you get used to it and well worth having. You can buy an electronic version. And I've never quite seen the point of an electronic version, but you can buy one which is much more accurate and it will tell you to a decimal point how many perforations it's got. And how much would you pay for the electronic electronic version is about £250, £300. And the the plastic version? As opposed to £2.50 or £3. Right, so that's a huge difference. So it's a huge investment and you need to be a serious collector to really justify the electronic version, I feel anyway. But a perforation guide is a definite advantage to have. The next thing you need, you need a watermark detector. We've talked about watermarks before on this series. A watermark is impregnated into the to the paper that was used to print the stamp on. There are lots of variations in watermarks. Certainly in British Commonwealth, Edward VII stamps had two different types of watermark on them. George V stamps had two, sometimes three different watermarks on. And the stamps themselves look identical from the front. The only way you know which issue it's from is by what the watermark is. So you need to be able to see the watermark. However, 50% of the time, probably 75% of the time, you can just hold it up to any sort of bright light and you'll be able to see the watermark. So you can get by without a watermark detector. But inevitably there are some where it's difficult to see and then you need some way of seeing the watermark clearly. Again, there's a cheap version and an expensive version. The cheap version is a bottle of watermark fluid. And all this is, is some sort of fluid liquid that you pour onto the stamp. You lay the stamp into a tray, pour the fluid onto the stamp, and it makes the stamp basically go see-through. So from the back of the stamp, you can see reasonably clearly what the watermark looks like. In the older days, when I was a youngster, we used lighter fluid from a cigarette lighter. Two problems. One, it was highly dangerous and the fumes weren't good, but also it left a a smell on the stamp, which lingered for a while. Eventually it would have disappeared, but it wasn't a good idea. So the watermark fluid is a good alternative, the right alternative. And as I said, it doesn't cost much. It's easy to use. And most of the time it works. There are some stamps, so even with watermark fluid, it's very difficult or it's, it's not easy to detect the watermark. And then you can get an electronic watermark detector. An electronic one is a gadget where you put the stamp between two blocks, put the block into the machine, and then turn on the light that lights up the stamp from underneath. And this helps display the watermark. The one I've got, and I have to admit I have bought one of these, the one I've got, you can change the light to several different colours because some colours help to show the watermark up better than other colours. And it depends on how the paper was made and how the watermark was laid in as to which colour will highlight the watermark better. The electronic ones are expensive. Again, £150, £175. It's not cheap, but they can help. And you've only got to find one stamp that's got the wrong watermark on it, and you can make up that money in the difference in value. So it can be a good investment. So last week we were talking about the catalogues to find the information. So in the catalogues, it will also give the information about the watermark. 
In the specialist catalogues, yes, it will. The basic catalog doesn't give any watermark or perforation information, but the specialist catalogues will give you that information. And there is a story about a, a watermark detector. And I have to say, I'm extremely grateful to Stanley Gibbons because I bought one of their watermark detectors at the London Stamp Show. Brought it back to Spain, used it for several months. And then somehow or another, I, I over-tightened it and the clamp at the back that holds the stamp tightly in place broke. And I thought I've just ruined £150 worth of equipment from being over-enthusiastic. Uh, next time I went to the London Stamp Show, I went to the Stanley Gibbon stand and asked if it was possible to buy a replacement bit. And the guy there was extremely helpful. He said he had never heard of that ever breaking before. And they'd sold hundreds and nobody's ever managed to break one. So there must have been a fault with it. And they replaced it completely free of charge. So gold star so, to Stanley Gibbons. Well done, Stanley Gibbons. Yes, I was most impressed with that service. So thank you very much. And as I said, it's a lot of money, £150, £175. But I, I do use it a lot and I found it particularly useful for my collection. The next thing I would suggest you could consider buying, and that is a colour chart. In the catalogues, all the stamps are listed by colour, but particularly in the older stamps, there are variations of colours. What happened in the early days was the printer would mix up the colour for the stamp, actually at the printers, and these would be mixed by hand. So the ingredients are measured out, presumably on the scales. I, I honestly don't know exactly how they did it, but they measured out the different ingredients, the different colours, put them together to mix the colour they wanted for the stamp. When they ran out of that colour and they still needed to print some more stamps, they had to make up another batch. And quite often these batches, there were subtle shade differences. So you do get shade differences in stamps and knowing exactly what colour it is can make a huge difference to the value of these stamps. However, it's one thing that I have extreme difficulty over and sometimes find it impossible to distinguish between what is carmine red and what is red carmine and what is light red or what is deep dark red and deep light red and there's all sorts of descriptions. So I bought a colour chart and the colour chart is just like the colour charts you buy for paint when you're buying paint to paint the, the living room. But each of the blocks of colour has a little hole in the middle and you slide the stamp underneath it so you can see the stamp through the hole to try and match it up exactly with the colour. The trouble I find is that there are very few stamps, again, particularly early stamps, where there is a solid block of colour. Stamps are generally made up of lines of colour. So when you stick a stamp that's made up of lots of different lines of colour underneath a space that is a solid block of colour, it's difficult to work out which is which. And I have to say, although I bought the colour chart, and they only cost £20, something like that, they're not very expensive, I've hardly used it and don't find it particularly helpful. The most reliable method I've found for finding the colours of stamps is either having one where you know exactly what colour it is and matching the others to that, or having a whole batch of the same stamp, which is not always possible when they're expensive stamps. But if you've got 100 stamps, all exactly the same stamp, you can then work out which are the different shades and separate them by shade. I think with colour, it's not an exact art, so it's very difficult to work out. And it's a difficult skill that comes with experience. I'm not there yet, 
but it's, a colour chart is a useful tool to help you. I don't say it's infallible and you need lots of practice with it, but um, it's another tool in your armoury and a cheap one at that, so it's fine. As far as I'm aware, they haven't yet come up with an electronic version of a colour chart. If they did, I think I would be tempted to buy one because it would save me a lot of hassle. The next thing, we're getting into the more specialist tools now. And the next one I'm going to come up with is ultraviolet lights. Ultraviolet lights are useful on modern stamps because they highlight the phosphor and fluorescence that are in the paper. And this is a recent development. This has only been used in stamps really since Queen Elizabeth era. The UV lights do have some uses for earlier stamps and they do show up damaged stamps as well as help you identify fake stamps. And there's two types. There's a long wave UV light, which helps identify fluorescent paper and a short wave UV light, which helps you identify the phosphor bands. Now, neither of these are in my area of collecting. So I, I although I bought a UV light, I've used it about three times. However, if you're into collecting more modern stamps that use this type of security measures, then again, UV lights are not particularly expensive. 20, 30 pound will, will get you one of these. A battery operated one that is. If you want to, one that plugs in, it's a bit more expensive. But... So are we saying we've got two types of paper to make fraud less of a possibility with stamps? Yes, sometimes stamps are printed on fluorescent paper, which glows brightly under different light conditions. And you've seen uh, when you go to a bank or, a, or some shops, they put the notes, money, through a machine to check that it's a real note. That's generally a UV light detector, and they use the same sort of thing in stamps. And the other one, the phosphor bands. The phosphor bands were used, certainly they were used in Britain. I suspect they're used in other countries, but in Great Britain they were used to help automate the post. What is a phosphor band? And it's, it's a line in the stamp that you can see under certain conditions. You can, with phosphor bands you can actually see it if you hold the stamp up at an angle and it appears like a darker line on the stamp. But when you look at it from the front, it looks exactly the same and they put bands on the, the stamps to speed up the postage process and also for security. So so is there a lot of fraud still going on with postage stamps now? Where money's involved, there's always fraud. I have no idea how much it goes on in terms of trying to defraud the post office. I'm certainly aware that people reuse stamps that haven't got a postmark on them. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, the amount of people who are sending letters via pigeon post using a stamp must be minuscule now. Yeah, that's true. I should mention it's a lot less now than it was 30, 40 years ago and before. The simple answer is I don't know. But as I said, when where money's involved, there is always someone ready to defraud. True. So I suspect that is still happening. The final thing I have on my list of equipment that you might want to buy is, is a drying book. Now, this is a very... It's not something I've ever owned or ever seen the need to. A drying book is basically when you soak off the stamp from an envelope. Obviously, it makes the stamp soaking wet. My method is to lay it face down on 
kitchen roll, it dries and it does curl a little, but once you put it in the stamp album, it will flatten out over time. A drying book is a special process where once you've soaked the stamp and they are wet, you put them into a book which closes up and the stamp will then dry perfectly flat. They're not hugely expensive unless you buy an electronic one, which is very expensive in my opinion. But as I said, I've always used just laying it out on kitchen roll or, or some sort of paper face down and it dries naturally in the air. So I, I honestly don't really see the point on them. However, when you've got stamps that do curl up, it does make life a bit easier. So from that point of view, it's it may be a worthwhile investment. And as I said, they're not particularly expensive. And what on earth is an electronic drying book? It puffs out. I, I don't actually know. I, I came across this. I came across it. this recently, uh, yeah, and it basically does. It uses heat, so a normal stamp will probably take in a drying book. You, you probably need a day for it to dry properly, whereas in the the electronic one, it will dry it out within a matter of hours. I can't help thinking that whenever you dry things quickly, you're leaving them open to damage. So I'm not convinced by that. But I presume it's been tried and tested. So yeah, there we go. So it's another another toy. Another gizmo. <laughs> well, that just about wraps up this episode of Our Dad Stamps Podcast. If you know of any other equipment that you consider essential for stamp collecting, perhaps you could get in touch, let me know, and we can add it to future podcasts. But that is my list, that is my recommendation. And Carry on enjoying your stamp collecting. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and maybe you've learnt a little too. I would love to hear from you with your tips and stories. I can be found on Facebook and Instagram as Our Dad Stamps, as well as through my online shops at eBay and DevCamp. Listen again next week for another episode of the Our Dad Stamps podcast. <laughs>